for me to be here this morning. Uh, I want to take this opportunity to share some examples of how Medivy is contributing to reshaping healthcare services and uh, delivery here in Ontario and across Canada. Uh, this morning I'll share with you a little bit of information about who we are at Medivy. Uh, then I'll talk about some of the obvious challenges uh, that we face in healthcare service and delivery. And finally, I will highlight some of the specific innovative ideas and initiatives that we are implementing across Canada to improve healthcare services and delivery. The objective, of course, is always to improve the well-being of Canadians. So my name is Bernard Lord, and I think you figured that out. I'm the Chief Executive Officer of Medivy. Um, as you know, every single generation faces some big challenges. And one of the big challenges that we face in our generation right now is how do we provide quick access to quality health care and for an aging population at a cost that we can all afford. And that is one of the big challenges of this generation. And there are significant trends and forces that will shape healthcare over the next decade. Forces like new technology, big data, direct mobile access, personalized drug treatments, consumer impatience, the fact that you have to be a patient, you have to be patient to be patient in Canada, I think that trend is going to end. People are becoming impatient. Uh, the now generation that are wealthier than ever before, they want services when they need them, and they want them right away. And this will lead to significant change. The question is, how do we adapt to these forces? How do we harness these forces and provide better care benefits for families and patients and population health overall? And when I think of change, there's an old personal story that I like to share with everyone that highlights for me, on a real basis, how quickly things can change. Some of you may know or may not know, in a previous part of my life, I was an elected official as the Premier of the province of New Brunswick. And about 20 years ago, my wife and I, we had made a deal when I ran for office. We had two young children, Sébastien and Jasmine. And at the time, uh, Sébastien was four years old, and my daughter Jasmine was three. And I would call home every day when I wasn't at home to stay in touch with my family. And one day I call home, and my son was four at the time, and he says hello, and I say, hey, Sébastien, comment ça va? I hear him put down the phone and says, Mom, it's Bernard Lord. <laughs> so, yeah, so that made me realize how quickly things could change. All right, so let's move on to more serious things. Who are we? Well, today, Medivy uh, is a team of over 6,400 individuals uh, from coast to coast. We are a health solutions partner to individuals, employers, organizations, and governments. And we are a not-for-profit organization. We don't have shareholders. We don't pay dividends to anyone. Uh, and across the country, we help people by taking care of their most fundamental needs, access to health care. And we've been doing this for 76 years. We are the largest Blue Cross plan in Canada. We are also the largest private provider of EMS services in Canada. Um, we have physical operations in Ontario and in seven other provinces, while we serve people in all provinces and all territories. Because we are a not-for-profit organization, we created a foundation. And the Medivy Health Foundation has three main causes that we support. Child and youth mental health, combating type 2 diabetes, and supporting families and people with post-traumatic stress. 
Our mission at Medivy is quite simple. We exist for one reason and one reason only, and that is to improve the well-being of Canadians. And our vision is to be a health solutions partner. And every single word in that vision is important to us. We want to be leading. We're not followers. We always try to bring new ideas to the table. Solutions are key. It's not just about being the ones that identify the problems. We're there to fix the problems and make things better. And of course, we believe in partnerships. No one can do this alone. And when we think about what's happening across our country, healthcare continues to be debated in legislature, it's meeting rooms, dinner tables across the country. Is our system meeting the needs of all Canadians? Is it sustainable? How do we make it stronger and more efficient while ensuring it remains based on the values that we hold dear? I've heard some say that healthcare is in crisis, from access to family physicians to clinician recruitment, emergency room capacity to capital investments, our healthcare continues to experience great challenges. These are all things that we know. Healthcare in Canada was built on the premise of providing acute care, a trip to the emergency room, a necessary surgery, or a once-in-a-lifetime crisis. But that has evolved. This is obviously important. However, the day-to-day -day management of primary care is just as, if not more important. Here's some facts that you probably know. And, but even though we know these things, I think it's always good to remind ourselves of this. According to Statistics Canada, in 2017, over 15% of Canadians aged 12 and older, or roughly close to just under 5 million people, reported that they did not have a regular health care provider they see or talk to when they need care or advice on their health. Close to 5 million Canadians. We have seen that Canadians are continuing to visit emergency departments and walk-in clinics for basic primary care. We know the effects this has, the increased strain on these services, which we know is unsustainable, and the fact this is not the best way to access continuity of care. According to CAIHI, emergency department wait times continue to increase almost everywhere in Canada. The emergency department length of stay for people admitted to hospitals in 2016 and 17 was up 11% from the year before, and almost 17% from five years before. And that's based on more than 11 million emergency department visits across the country that year. Kaihai also reported that most people who visit an emergency department do not need to be admitted to the hospital at all, many of whom could be treated or access, uh, or assess, sorry, in a different environment. And when looking at all emergency department visits in 2016-17, nine out of 10 people left within 7.8 hours. Now think about that. That means 10% stayed over 7.8 hours. That's a long time to wait at the emergency. One trend is clear. Canadians are waiting longer and longer than before often in the wrong places, and they still need care. Now, of course, there are many reasons for this, and I'm sure everyone in this room knows this, but I want to set the stage. We are growing older. And I mention this often, and some of my staff and team members that are here laugh at me. This is a good thing. The fact that we're getting older and we live longer is a good thing. It should never be presented as a problem. It's just something that we have to understand and manage. And what you see on this slide is how quickly we're growing older. If 
you go back in the last 15 years, the overall population in Ontario from, 20, from 2003 to 2018 grew by 18%. The people that were 65 and older grew by over 60%. And you fast forward the next 15 years, the trend is actually about the same. Overall population in Ontario is expected to grow by 13%, while the population of people 65 and older will grow by over 56%. And we know what happens when people get older. There's a demand for more services, more care. And we, we see, and we are living not only longer, but we're also living with more chronic illnesses. Over our history at Medivy, we have been able to develop detailed insights into the wellness of Canadians. And we've been servicing people here in Ontario since 1995. In fact, Blue Cross uh, has been in Ontario since the 40s, the same as we've been around since the 40s. One of the most significant trends in the increase in claims related to managing chronic conditions, including type 2 diabetes. In fact, our chronic disease claims have increased by nearly 10% just since 2013. And about one in five members now claim for diabetes medication and supplies to help manage their condition. For cardiovascular conditions and blood pressure, it's one in five. As you can see, incidence of these conditions rise dramatically as we get older. And that's what you see in the slides in front of you. And as we, we are, as a population getting much older, the needs of our patient populations are changing. These trends are very clear. They require a renewed focus on careful and coordinated management of how, when, and where patients are cared for. And of course, we're, we're spending more money than ever before. These and other trends are not only adding to the strain to the healthcare system, they're also adding cost. Here in Ontario, and frankly, across Canada, the, it's a similar story. And you can see on the slide, from 1998 to where we are today, healthcare as an expenditure of GDP has basically gone up. And healthcare expenditures per capita continue to grow. I remember in my first campaign uh, for Premier, I promised that we would spend more every year in healthcare. Well, that was the easiest promise to, to fulfill, and we fulfilled that promise. In fact, in the eight years, uh, eight uh, budgets that we tabled, healthcare spending accounted for 100% of new spending of the government. Think about that, 100%. Everything else, and in fact, education at the time grew by 20%, everything else had to offset those increases to be able, and we did balance the budget every year, lower debt, uh, that means real difficult choices. 100% of new spending in those eight years went to, to health care. So you can see we, we are spending more, and we continue to, to spend more. And sometimes when we see trends like these, the future can seem overwhelming. How do we manage all of this? Healthcare systems are often slow to evolve. Now I want to be clear about something this morning. You may look at these slides and these presentations. I don't believe that things are doom and gloom. Far from it. Compared to 20 years ago, our healthcare system is delivering more than ever. Canadians have access to services, treatments, medication that were not accessible 20 years ago. In some cases, didn't exist. I like to give the example. When I was first elected, wait time for CT scan in, in, the, in the province of New Brunswick was zero days because there were no CT scans in New Brunswick at the time. And so when I left office eight years later, 
There was wait time for CT, so that, that was the result of, now there's wait times for CT scan. But the, the point is, there's new things, new services, no, new programs that were simply not available before that are available today. Every day, Canadians now have access to treatment and me medication, as I mentioned, that before were simply not there. In fact, if provincial governments across the country delivered the same care today that was delivered 20 years ago, virtually every single provincial government would have huge surpluses. We are consuming more health care than before. So when we consider the situation we face, we know that not only are we aging faster, age is rising, we're spending more, spending is increasing, demand is increasing, but probably the one thing that is growing faster than all of those things is the expectations of the public and what they want. And I would tell you, the public is right. Patients are right to expect and demand more. This does not be a solution when we look at these trends. How do we rationalize healthcare? How do we limit access? How do we manage decrease? No, it has to be, how do we improve care? And I want to state unequivocally, I am an optimist when it comes to this. I frankly am an optimist on most things, but I'm, I'm an optimist about healthcare. I strongly believe that there are solutions, that there are better ways that we can make things better for people. And the fact that we're spending more, sometimes we look at this, and, and I'm trained as an economist, we think, oh, we're spending GDP and per capita, all those wonderful things. It's normal as a country like ours, as we're getting older and wealthier, that we want to invest more and spend more to make our lives better. But we need to be able to measure. If the only measurement is how much we spend, then of course we're not succeeding. And what is the impact of how we spend? How do we structure what we have to make care better. And that's, I believe, the key to all of this. I do feel that we've reached a tipping point. That point is there where we need to talk less and do more. We need to have the managerial courage as governments, organizations, private, public sector, individuals, to move past the status quo. We can't apply 1980s and 1990s solutions to the challenges that we face today. We, as I like to say, we can't drive forward by looking in the rearview mirror. We need to look ahead. Yes, the population is aging. Yes, the incidence of chronic disease are increasing. All those things are true. But some of these changes will mean trying new ideas. And I can also tell you that there are solutions that have been working across the country for quite some time that can guide us in our journey right here in Ontario. Let me give you some specific examples. Today, in just southwest of here, um, in the municipality of Chatham-Kent, our paramedics from Medivy are delivering healthcare outside the hospital. Through a program established in 2015, they are using their extensive training and skills to provide direct in-home follow-up care and support to patients identified by the Chatham Health uh, links and have, uh, as having complex needs, such as those managing one or more chronic conditions who may be transitioning back to the community following a hospital stay. This kind of direct support for medical professionals helps ensure patients receive the continuity of care they need and reduces the risk of unnecessary visits to the emergency departments. Ultimately, programs like this are an important step in improving health outcomes while reducing wait times and costs to the system. The results are very promising. So far, we've seen admissions 
to local emergency departments from this complex, patients cut by half. This is not a marginal improvement. It's not 2%, 3%. This is a reduction of 50%. And there are similar programs across Ontario. In Renfrew County, for instance, the county's community paramedic program sees paramedics using their skill sets to provide monitoring, education, and general primary care to patients during home visits to patients with complex medical issues or compromised mobility. Medivine managed programs across Nova Scotia are demonstrating the promise of paramedicine in our communities. The extended care paramedic program, which sees paramedic treat calls for medical services in seniors' homes rather than an emergency department has resulted in 80% inpatient needs being addressed within the home and not requiring a trip to the emergency department. 80% reduction. Now think about this. I told you from the outset, we are the largest private provider of EMS services in Canada. The core of our business is actually transporting people. And we prefer not transporting them at all. We prefer providing the care where they are. And that's why we come up with these innovative solutions, because we see what patients are really asking for, and they want the care where they are. Of course, if there's a real emergency like a heart attack, we're more than happy and willing and capable of transporting these people to the care that they need. As, as a result from the paramedics providing palliative care at home program, which provides paramedic support for pain and symptom management of palliative care patients, uh, a 55% rate of successfully treating symptoms in the home so that emergency department visits are avoided. Now think, these patients at the end of life, they want to be cared for where they live. They don't, don't want to be transported unnecessarily. And this is another very specific example of what we have done. And this program is also operating in Prince Edward Island and it's been a national initiative endorsed by the Canadian Foundation for Healthcare Improvement and was successful and now can be expanded to other provinces across Canada. These are new programs that are already working right now to reduce strain on the healthcare systems by directing care into our homes and our communities. In Saskatoon, an innovative mobile health clinic has become a common site in areas around the city. The Health Bus a unique partnership with the Saskatchewan Health Authority and the Saskatchewan Ministry of Health is staffed by a team of community paramedics and nurse practitioners focused on delivering primary care to vulnerable populations, including the homeless and new Canadians without a primary care doctor. The idea was brought to Saskatoon by two local paramedics after learning about a similar program in the UK. It is a unique example of how we can rethink how we can deliver healthcare. Operating seven days a week in areas around the city, the health bus sees hundreds of patients every month, diverting care away from the emergency room into the community to those who are most vulnerable and whose otherwise lack access to basic healthcare services. Another initiative, the Saskatoon Community Paramedic Project sees advanced care paramedics coordinating ongoing care with the family and specialized physicians of at-risk patients. The intent is to ensure that they can have immediate access to healthcare in their homes and their communities. And in one year, the pilot helped treat close to 1,000 patients who otherwise may have needed to be transported to the hospital. Now, when you think of all these examples, there's a common thread here, of course. 
It's better for the patients. This is what the patients really want. It's better for the system because it eases the stress and the strain on the system. And of course, it actually costs less. These are true win-win-win solutions. Now, it may seem obvious, why isn't it happening everywhere? Well, change is not always easy to implement. There's always some resistance to change. There's always someone that loves the status quo, and making those changes are important. Now, while these and many programs like them are working at different scales, they are coordinated through a larger healthcare networks. The recently announced intended consolidation of EMS systems in Ontario is an essential step in the right direction toward greater coordination of care right here in our province. We fully support this idea. This is something that we have seen before and something that works for the benefit of patients. Over 20 years ago, Medivy, in partnership with the province of Nova Scotia, merged 52 separate operations into a single coordinated province-wide system. Now, again, I won't pretend that it was easy, that it was automatic, that everybody cheered it on. But 20 years later, after successive governments, no one's ever thought of changing this because they realize once it's in place, it provides better care and better outcome for people. But this was at a time when ambulance services were no more than really transportation. Paramedics answered calls and drove patients to the hospital as quickly as they could. That was the job. The EMS model that was first started in Nova Scotia has since been completely adopted in Prince Edward Island and in New Brunswick. It has brought several benefits for patients and governments. It has transitioned EMS from a public safety service to a critical component of the broader healthcare system and created a platform for health system integration. It has improved system efficiency and data collection through the establishment of province-wide medical communication centers responsible for all system deployment and logistics. These centers are staffed by highly trained medical professionals who provide life-saving medical advice over the phones to callers requesting emergency assistance. It has resulted in a consistent standard of evidence-based patient care no matter where they are treated in the province. It has improved system accountability through robust performance standards that help demonstrate that the system is being responsive to patient needs and effectively managing public resources. It has fostered innovation and led to new opportunities for paramedics to provide care outside of their traditional EMS mandate. It has facilitated cultures of risk management, safety and quality, with all of these systems being recognized by multiple accrediting bodies. These are just some of the examples of the inherent potential of a new approach to EMS delivery. Yes, consolidation can and will provide cost savings and efficiencies, but it's much more than that. It's about establishing a platform for improved mobile, integrative community care. At Medivy, we invest in technology heavily. And in fact, by leveraging our dynamic deployment system, this allows us to respond to ambulance calls based on the closest available ambulance rather than simply relying solely on those dedicated in a single community. More recently, these provincially coordinated systems have paved the way for further integration. In Nova Scotia, with the 811, the province's version of 
Telehealth Ontario, and in New Brunswick with the extramural program, the province-wide nurse-based home health care service. New Brunswick has come to the forefront of embracing new ideas that can reshape how out-of-hospital care services can be delivered. And I want to say it's not simply because New Brunswickers are better. That'd be too easy for me to say. It's really based out of necessity and need. You know, the charts I showed you about aging population, in New Brunswick, the projections is population will grow by 1% overall in the next 15 years, while people 65 and older will grow by 55%. And the economic challenges that you face here in Ontario, well, they're the same, but in a different scale, somewhat larger in the province of New Brunswick. So necessity has driven the need for new solutions. And that may be one of the reasons why things happen faster in, in New Brunswick in this case. In partnership with the provincial government, Medivy is bringing together the province's primary healthcare providers, Ambulance New Brunswick, the extramural program, and 811 Telecare into a single collaborative system focused on providing quality, ongoing patient care outside of the hospital. This new model, managed under a performance-based and values-based contract, establishes a continuity of care for patients so they know they are receiving the support they need from a spectrum of medical professionals in their home and their community. The aim is to help people stay healthy and in their homes as long as possible, help them navigate the healthcare system when they need it, and ultimately to ensure they receive the right care at the right time at a cost that we can all afford. The work in New Brunswick is ongoing. The implementation started 15 months ago, but already we see improvements on the key metrics. Now again, I won't pretend that these changes weren't hard, and it compares to the scale of what is needed in Ontario. Of course, Ontario is much larger than New Brunswick or Nova Scotia or PI or all of them combined. And there are differences in different regions within Ontario. But if we acknowledge the differences and we're willing to tackle these challenges, then we can find and adapt the right solution for a large, densely urban population, rural areas, or remote areas, as you will find across the province of Ontario. We need to allow for local context, and it's important that partners and organizations responsible for providing care can work with regional differences to create solutions scalable to different settings. What I will say is that the Atlantic provinces have often been said to serve as an incubator to test new ideas for the rest of Canada. In fact, Canada was an idea that incubated in, in the maritime provinces. And we, we have a mix of urban, rural, and remote indigenous communities in Atlantic Canada. And of course, New Brunswick is an officially bilingual province. Now, again, the scale is different. We understand that. But when you think of what we do on a provincial scale of population just under a million, and you look at what's being proposed in Ontario of having 10 regions, then the scale becomes about the same. One region in Ontario is equivalent in many ways to um, one province. Now, I'm not saying you should have 24 senators for every region, that's another story. We won't have that debate today. But what we see is that new ideas around how to use existing healthcare resources more efficiently are impacting change. There's also tremendous power in data. We can use the information we learn from managing health benefits and programs to better understand pressure points and work with our partners and stakeholders. And we do exactly that at Medivy. Nearly three million Medivy Blue Cross private members are, and others are covered by our public programs across the country, 
providing us with key data that allows us to see and analyze trends, gaps, and opportunities. One insight is that chronic diseases like diabetes drive higher overall costs to insurers and, by extension, the healthcare system. We can see this with our members. The average annual value of claims for someone not living with diabetes is approximately $900 a year. For those with diabetes, it's over $2,600. But that doesn't tell the whole story. Diabetes drugs and equipment only account for part of the increased costs. Those living with diabetes are more likely to suffer from other conditions that have an even bigger impact on costs and, more importantly, on the health of the individual. Identifying insights like these can help us make evidence-based choices when directing resources and investments towards healthcare. And partnerships that leverage the power of data can help ensure we achieve better health outcomes for Canadians. You don't need to look far to see the opioid crisis is having an impact on individuals, families, communities across the country. To solve part of this problem, Menevi is partnering with the province of Nova Scotia to deliver the Prescription Monitoring Program, a data-focused program unique in Canada with a mandate to promote safe prescribing practices. The program provides the province with profound insights into prescribing practices for controlled drugs, including a comprehensive picture of how controlled drugs are distributed and used in the province and the ability to identify and report issues of concerns to regulatory bodies. Similarly, we have the privilege of partnering with Veterans Affairs Canada to administer benefits to veterans across the country. The data that we gather through this and other programs, coupled with our overall health benefits knowledge, allows us to advise our partners on emerging trends and enables continuous evolution of how their plans are designed. But it's not only new ideas that are having an impact on change. New technologies are helping people live better lives and improving patient outcomes. They can also save money. Enabling greater access to health information is a key step in helping Canadians take charge of their health and their well-being. Think of the possibilities of digital service options. The ability to register and renew coverage, apply for supplemental programs and pay for premiums, find a family doctor or other health professionals, access to telecare services, and the list goes on and on. These ideas are within our capacity to turn to reality today. We can help reduce hallway health care by providing even more alternative avenues to seek non-critical care. Finding and booking clinics online, access to telemedicine, platforms, preventing, uh, prevention tools, online self-care and mental health resources. All of this is a reality. Many of these opportunities are in fact here today. And working with one provincial partner, we are planning an online drug formulary that allows residents, prescribers and pharmacists to easily search by DIN name and therapeutic class to determine plan eligibility, special authorization criteria, unit price, and more. We have an app that allows plan members to search for easy access to providers. These kinds of online, readily accessible health services provide better access to care and enable Canadians to better understand and take control of their own health. But the key to all of this is working together. Whether you work directly in healthcare field, represent an employer who offers employee benefits as part of the total compensation package, or have personal experience dealing with one or more chronic conditions. Access to appropriate care and the rising cost of healthcare are challenges we are all grappling with. 
And I don't believe anyone can solve this alone or one organization or one government or one policy. Experienced organizations have a role to play. We can help out as partners with government and stakeholders across the field to develop and test innovative ideas. This is about empowering governments to work with partners who are specialists in these areas, who know what to do, how to do it, and ultimately help to strengthen the public health system. Frankly, I don't believe governments can do it all. And there are some key partners out there that want to help and want to support. And Medivy, we're one of those partners. And we've been partnering with uh, governments for over 50 years. In fact, it's 50 years this year that we started our programs with the province of Nova Scotia. As I mentioned, in our case, we're a not-for-profit uh, organization. And we know that partnerships can have a big impact in communities. Through our Medivy Health Foundation, we direct over 10% of our net earnings to support programs and initiatives in the three causes that I mentioned, youth and child mental health, type 2 diabetes, and post-traumatic stress. The work done by organizations uh, that the Foundation supports, like the Children's Aid Foundation, Jack.org, and the Covenant House, is helping to incubate new ideas that confront these challenges for the future and help those living with them today have access to the tools and information to deal with those conditions. As I mentioned, we've been a trusted partner with governments. We have partnerships with governments uh, here in Ontario. We have partnerships with the federal government. We have partnerships uh, with governments in seven other provinces other than Ontario. And all of this we do uh, by performing at a very high standard. And it's not just okay to be good. We believe we have to be extremely good, and we understand that we need to be accountable. And accountability is essential when you're spending public dollars. The public is entitled to know where the money goes and how it's spent and what they get in return. And we completely believe in this philosophy. In fact, in the, in the contracts and the programs that we um, negotiate, that's what we want. We don't just want to be paid for the service. We actually want to be paid for the improvements and the metrics and moving uh, the metrics in improving the well-being of Canadians. Now, with the ongoing efforts to end all-way health care, and the recent budget announced, I'm encouraged that the province here is tackling these ongoing challenges in an effort to improve health care for Ontarians. Ending hallway health care will reduce wait times for people in urgent need of care. It will allow patients with dementia and their families, as an example, to receive a care plan from the right provider rather than the busy on-duty nurse in an emergency room. It will also allow palliative care patients to spend their last days in their home with their families and others to manage their conditions with support and the confidence to know they're on a path to living well. I want to commend the province and the government for their leadership and their willingness to tackle health challenges head on. It's not easy to do. These steps have been taken in just one year are a clear statement of their intent. The decisions speak to the, the experience of all the professionals working with them. Clearly what I'm saying is solutions are here. And when we combine innovative ideas with a clear sense of urgency to act and a desire to make things better, then we're willing to tackle these challenges and provide better outcomes. Change is not always easy. As I mentioned, status quo has a lot of friends and sometimes is well entrenched. But the fact is that 
when we look at our situation, just doing more of the same will not provide the outcomes that are needed. And that's why organizations like us, we've been focused on bringing innovative ideas and solutions and change since 1943. We were there when there was no Medicare to make sure people would have access to the care that they needed. And when Medicare came about, we adapted to make sure people would have the medication that they need. And then we adapted to provide governments with programs and technology so they could uh, better administer the programs they have. And now we're innovating in improving uh, paramedicine and bringing more services to the communities. All this to say, we're here to help. And before I take questions, I'd like to share with you a video that highlights the transformation that has taken place and some of those initiatives that I've talked about, and you'll see them in action in this video. Medivy exists for one reason, to improve the well-being of Canadians. We're tireless pursuers of the gaps in our healthcare system. We help fill them with people, with data, with new resources, and new ideas. Medivy Blue Cross understands health with long-standing partnerships and insights into everything from common illnesses to prevention. We adapt and evolve to enable better care and help people live their best lives. Medivy Health Services is the on-the-ground expression of better health care in action. From paramedicine to home care, our teams are delivering care outside the hospital to patients when and where they need it. And through the Medivy Health Foundation, we invest in community-based initiatives that address some of our most pressing physical and mental health challenges. As a not-for-profit health solutions partner, we aren't just hopeful about the future of healthcare in Canada, we work to improve it every day. So once again, thank you for, for being here this morning. I'm more than happy to take any questions. There are several senior members of the Medivy team that are here with me this morning. Um, they're sitting in the front row and uh, they're also happy to answer your questions or have a conversation on some of the details of the initiatives that we're implementing uh, here in Ontario and, and across the country. More than happy to take some questions. So, very good question. Um, of course, necessity is, is, is key, but I believe necessity is here. And we are implementing some of these solutions here. But it does require the structural uh, architecture to enable some of this to happen. And it requires willingness of governments and stakeholders to embrace change. And then it requires a sense of urgency to act. And we sense this is here more than, than before. Uh, putting more money into the system is needed and that will continue. But it's getting more from the money that is invested that is important. And how do we make sure that we provide value to taxpayers and improve the well-being of patients and their families? And these are some solutions. And I'm not pretending that Medivy has all the solutions. We don't. But there's certain things that we do extremely well. And we, we do it across this country. We do some here in Ontario and we want to do more here in Ontario. And so it really requires that arch and the, the architecture for it. And some of the changes that are being proposed by the government would enable this. 
And when we think of the uploading of uh, emergency medical services and creating regions, that is the step in the right direction. That will enable uh, organizations like ourselves or others to, to, to be able to use that platform not only to reduce costs of EMS services and find efficiencies, but more importantly, as I said earlier, to create that platform to provide more care to patients and communities where they, and, and to patients and families where they live in their communities. So it's that structural change that is needed. Hi, Lord. Uh, my name is Andrew Bond. I'm the medical director of University Health Associates uh, here in Toronto. A group of 100 physicians providing care to 52 different sites for homeless people across the city. Um, I wonder if I can ask a couple of impertinent questions, but before I do that, I want to uh, first applaud your vision for how to reframe uh, paramedic services. I think they're one of the most underused and undervalued dimensions of the healthcare system, so I think that that's absolutely incredible. Um, with that said, the question, the first one has to do with um, the way that paramedics have been used with respect to in-home care that obviously has a close alignment and overlap with the space of home care. And I'm wondering about the relative value proposition of home care versus paramedicine for the kind of work that you're engaged in or how they're distinct possibly. And the only second question as well, really quickly around uh, homeless health care, because that's all the, that we do here in Toronto for my organization, um, is that the health bus is something that is really great. I think it's an important stopgap measure. It is capital intensive for sure in terms of having um, a bus model. We do something very different here now in that um, we sort of take the assumption that every single person deserves care outside of a bus. Most of us would not want to have care in a bus. That being said, it's important when there is no other alternative. And so as a harm reduction measure, I think they're absolutely essential. We still have a health bus here in Toronto, run by the Tremor Health Centre. Um, but we also have 52 locations of outreach-based models of care with um, primary care and psychiatry physicians in the shelters and all the sector themselves. Um, zero capital overhead, which is a, uh, we found to be a more cost-efficient model in the end, but it takes a certain big push to get the funding to get that, that going. Uh, so, thank you so much. Well, th thank you for your, your comments and your question. And let me start by saying, I strongly feel that the people that work in the healthcare system are extremely dedicated. And, you know, we all see it every day. Yeah. We see it in our own operations, we see it in the public system, we, we see it in our competitors, we see it in the people we collaborate with. Th those people that get up every morning and has a, they have a singular focus of improving the health of others. Uh, they're amazing people, and we see them, in, whether it's in hospital settings, out of hospital settings, and we see that, of course, as well with paramedics. And what we, one of the things we want to do at, at NIV is to unleash that, that potential of these paramedics to be able to do more. And the fact that it is a mobile workforce, they, they are literally on wheels, and they're not all, you know, depending on the regions where they are, uh, there are times when they could be doing more. And generally speaking, they do. Now, one thing is we, we also believe in is collaboration. So we don't believe that one profession has the solution to treat all patients and everything. So collaboration with paramedics, with uh, nurses in home care, all that is required to provide the best care to the patient. It needs coordination. And that's why some of the models that we've put in place and that we continue to improve is that integration of the different uh, professions working together. So for instance, the, the province-wide model we've put in New Brunswick has uh, 
are 10 or 11 different pr professions working together, and we coordinate this for the benefit of the patient. So it's not up to the patient to navigate the system and try to figure out what's the best for them, is we help the patient navigate and we find the best care for, for the patient. And we bring that care to where they are, rather than bringing the patient to the care. And look, of course, sometimes people need to go to the hospital, sometimes they need an intervention. We're not gonna bring the surgery room to the living room. But for a lot of cases, that's not what is required. It's, it's management of chronic diseases. It's, is helping patients where they are. And our experience, you know, the satisfaction rating uh, of, of our uh, patient satisfaction of our services is over 95%. Now, let me tell you, when I was in office, I never got 95%. I didn't expect you to laugh at it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> That's, so we, we under, and, and for us, that is a key measure. We, we measure, are patients satisfied with the service we provide? And that's a key component for us. I hope it answers. Oh, sorry, and on, on the bus, I, I appreciate your comments on, on the health bus, that it's not, it's not the final solution or the only solution, but sometimes we do need those interim solutions, stopgap measures to deal with a problem that is growing. And we're, we're, you know, we always hope it's not the permanent solution, but if it helps people that need help now and don't get it otherwise, let's try it, let's do it. And then if we can find a better permanent solution, then we can phase out the interim solution and move on to the permanent solution. But waiting for perfection before we implement something that's good puts people at risk. And that's why we support the, and, and, well, we, we support the Health Bus initiative because it does provide that care to people that currently don't have access to the care. Hi, it's Janet Daglish with Bayshore Healthcare. I uh, just want to thank you very much for your presentation this morning. Uh, we too have um, invested in some really innovative programs here in Ontario, uh, focused, for example, on the, um, the Dublin region where we work collaboratively on the palliative care program with EMS. So, you know, we, we too have really seen some tremendous success from models such as that. Um, one of the questions I have, though, is I have heard you mention a lot about primary care. And we recognize the benefit of having those, those warm handoffs across an integrated <coughs> care team. Um, how have you been able to successfully engage primary care and be more proactive in addressing some of the, uh, these chronic conditions? I, I really appreciate the question, and, and perhaps I should have mentioned that in, in my remarks. Uh, and first, I want to say I completely agree that there are amazing things happening here as well. And, and, and there's other organizations, not only ours, that are bringing innovative ideas. And we, we need systems and, and, and an environment that facilitates and, and encourages that rather than pushes against that. And so I encourage you to continue, and we want to collaborate with the, these types of initiatives. When it comes to uh, primary care, the whole idea that we have um, and, and the, the, the new model that we've put in place uh, in New Brunswick for the, the whole province is linked to primary care. So there's still the link, and in fact, the, the Medical Society of New Brunswick were among the first strong supporters of this new uh, model. And they understand that it helps their jobs, it helps the physician's jobs and, and the primary care system in monitoring and pro providing care to, to patients. So there is that constant relationship with the primary care provider, even when we take over the, the care for the patient. I mean, we take over, we, we manage the care, 
but it's ultimately it's the, the physician is still in that model is central to the care of the patient. So it's, it's not, in it, it's not uh, something that's done uh, in exclusion of primary care, it's an extension of primary care. Eric, anything you want to add on that or Matt? Uh, no? I'll get to that question in, in a second. Yes. yes, thank you very much, Mr. Lord. Could you say a few words about your innovative financing model of gain sharing with the government? Yes. In other words, you get greater efficiencies and you share the benefits of those greater efficiencies with government? Absolutely. That, that is central to uh, most of our agreements with government. Um, and I'll, I'll get to the, I'll answer the other question at the same time. So who pays for it? Some of the, the services that are provided by Medivy Health Services, most of them are partnerships with the government. So it's a publicly funded uh, system and it's delivered, managed by us, a non-profit organization. And in most cases we have, um, so if we find efficiencies or innovations and we can deliver, meet the objectives or improve the objectives at a lower cost, then the savings are shared between the provincial government and ourselves. And uh, this is a way that it encourages, uh, it, it really encourages um, innovative behavior that provides better value to taxpayers. And, and this way, and we're held accountable. Uh, for instance, uh, Matt here has been going to public accounts in the province of New Brunswick for how many years now, Matt? Close to too many, too many years, uh, Matt would like to say. And, and you know, and, and in fact, we do this uh, in most other places. There's no other service that will go to public account. So we, we understand the importance of, of accountability and transparency. Um, so our model is, is based, so we, we have clear objectives we, we need to meet. Uh, in some cases, they're very clinical objectives. Uh, some, for instance, for their, how quickly we will get to a, a, a call, how quickly we bring them to, to the hospital, all those things. And if we can meet the metrics and also reduce costs, then their savings uh, are shared. But if we don't meet key metrics, in some cases, including patient satisfaction, then there's a penalty. And I would tell you there should be a penalty. If we're hired and we're, 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 we're contracted to do certain things, let's make sure we deliver the objectives and the benefits to the patients and to our partners, in this case, to governments. Thank you. I hope that answers the question, who pays for this? Uh, good morning. Thanks very much, Mr. Lord. Um, I really enjoyed your presentation. My name is Lori Ripple. Um, I work at the Ontario Telemedicine Network and also uh, from New Brunswick. Um, just a quick comment. Uh, my mom um, got sick uh, in uh, New Brunswick in January and uh, was palliative. And, uh, you know, despite the devastating diagnosis um, for her and uh, our family, uh, we were supported by that extra-dero team um, that I have to say was just unbelievable. Uh, in terms of caring for my mom at home. Uh, she died at home. Uh, the extramural team uh, was connected with the palliative care team uh, at Fredericton. Um, so my mom never had to leave uh, her home. Uh, also connected with her primary care provider who saw her uh, in the home. So um, I commend you uh, for that model um, and that integrated approach to care uh, really, really makes a difference uh, for patients uh, and their families. Um, so a question that I have is, um, you talked about your kind of integrated model with 811, um, and that's comparable to um, our telehealth Ontario program, uh, which has been around in Ontario since uh, early 2000. 
It's never been integrated as funded uh, by our provincial government. Um, a lot of healthcare providers call it, you know, 1-800-GO-TO-THE-ER. Um, but, um, but, you know, that, that program has provides, you know, 24-7 access uh, to trained registered nurses uh, that really could be doing much more uh, in an integrated system around care coordination, um, um, health coaching, and navigation. So I'm just wondering if you could talk about how you're integrating Absolutely. First, let me say thank you for, for sharing the story of, of your mother and um, extremely pleased that she received the, the best care she could receive. And, and um, both my parents passed away just a few years ago and we went through similar situations in our family. And uh, when you live it, you understand how important it is. And the people that work for us, they, they don't only deliver the service, they live it with their families. And when we brought on board uh, it was close to a thousand health professionals last year, which was significant for an organization which at the time had just under 6,000 people. We added an extra thousand. And there was, some, uh, there was some concern of those health professionals coming to us. But I would tell you today, morale is probably higher than it was at the time. Uh, there was significant uh, vacancies and most of that have been filled. People realize the values, we share the values of the people that work. And the values are exactly what you described, is they want to provide the best care. And that's the reason we, we're there. The integration is important. Uh, the integration of the 811 with the 911, uh, with the, the, uh, the extramural care, it, prov it provides a platform so we, we can treat the patient and coordinate the care. There were circumstances in the past where someone would call 811 and then call 911, and they may have had a nurse that was planned to go and see them that afternoon. Now we know that. We know the patient, and we can provide, when the patient calls 811 or 911, or they have an appointment with extramural, we know if they've been touched or if they have appointments with the other services, and we can better coordinate the care, and we can make sure that they get the care that they receive by the best provider quickly. And that's not always an ambulance being sent to the home or transporting them to, uh, to the emergency. So that integration is central, and that's why this model actually works. And that's how it provides better care for patients and lower, and it eases the stress in the system and lowers the cost. So we, we believe uh, with the patients that are treated under the extramural program, uh, within the first three years, we will reduce by at least 15% the number of uh, visits to the emergency department. And after a year, we're, we're already on track to, to meet those, those targets. Uh, and we, at the same time, we'll also increase by more than 15% the visits in the home. And we're just getting started. There's more things that we can do after this as, we get, as people get more and more comfortable uh, with the services, the integration, but also with technology. There, there should be more virtual visits. You don't even always need to have the person actually there. There's, and we can have more multiple points of contact with patients on a regular basis at a lower cost. And when you see seniors uh, FaceTiming with their grandchildren on their iPads, they're comfortable. Everyone's comfortable with technology. This is not 1992 when no one knew what the internet was. Everybody uses this. And, and so by, by embracing this technology, the platform that we're creating will enable us to do even more and provide better care and more multiple po points of contact with the patients. But that only happens when there's integration. Otherwise, you have overlap and duplication. I hope it answers your question.